When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. As promised, Bills Mafia. Let's get charged up, Ryan. I got a uh, I got a coffee here. I got a water here. It's 12:30 p.m. a.m. Eastern time <laughs> for the Shout Buffalo Bills post-game podcast. Your Buffalo Bills improved to nine and three on the season with a huge 37, 34 to 24 victory over the 49ers. Ten point win. I kind of called it. I was a little off. 27 to 20. Uh, but all the same, it's about how I expected this game to play out. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Ton to get into. We're going to start with Josh Allen. But, I mean, Monday Night Football, we, we we talked about this the other day, 1999, the last official Monday Night Football win for the Buffalo Bills franchise. They get it done today in a big way, Ryan. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills Monday Night Football winless streak was old enough to go drinking. That was my my big takeaway going into this game. 21 years. Yes, the unofficial uh, game in Detroit, but come on. This this was huge. Uh, shout out to my buddy Rocco, biggest 49ers fan I know. Talked a lot of trash this week on social media. Taking, <laughs> taking the loss like a true gentleman. But yeah, we were both in that ballpark for the final score. I had 31-23. Uh, so we, we had it just about right, but man. I know we've said this a few times. We said it after the Dallas game last year. We said it uh, about some of these early games. This was a big stage for Josh Allen and company, and they absolutely delivered. And that's where we're going to start, ladies and gentlemen. The main attraction uh, of this game was Josh Allen on primetime. And, man, you know, it takes you back to that Dallas Cowboys game last year and just how well he executed and delivered. Uh, I think if my memory serves me correctly, he was over 80% in that game as well, or close to 80%. This was even more spectacular. A 300-yard passing game, almost 400. He finishes with 375, four touchdowns. Uh, the first quarterback in Bill's history to throw or to complete more than 80% of his passes while throwing four touchdown passes. It was just a picture-perfect performance against his childhood favorite team, 
Buffalo Bills PR put out, I mean, you can't write this stuff sometimes. You, it, the PR put out a, a tweet this morning uh, of Josh Allen back, uh, you know, in his younger days at a, at a San Francisco 49ers game wearing a, I believe it was a Frank Gore jersey. And he goes out there and I wrote it. I mean, he just absolutely scorched this uh, San Francisco defense, which really baffled Jared Goff last week. That's what makes it even more impressive. This is a, a coming off a week where everything went right for the San Francisco 49ers a week ago. Tonight, everything went wrong. Yeah, listen, any person that still has any doubts about Josh Allen, I don't want to hear it. This is a player who, in the beginning of the year, was carving up man, uh, man-to-man defense. Defense is adjusted. They started playing zone. Allen had some struggles here and there. But tonight, it didn't matter if it was man-to-man. It didn't matter if it was zone. Allen saw the field so well tonight, calling things out, changing plays at the line. Uh, third down situations, fourth down situations. He knew where he was going with the ball. His guys were generally wide open, but he was delivering strikes left and right. When they needed big plays and he was rolling out to his right, he's throwing daggers downfield to Cole Beasley. He's using his shoulders, just a a quick little pump with the shoulders to get uh, Gabriel Davis wide open for a touchdown. He did it all tonight. And the Buffalo Bills have that franchise quarterback. I know we've said it a few times already this year, but this is, again, it's what you want to see as we get to the tail end of the season, as we're looking to see if the Bills can make a move up in those playoff standings as we get close to the playoffs itself. You know, I think you mentioned it in there, and this is something that I talked about on the pregame show over on Channel 4 uh, with my buddies Josh Reed and uh, Thad Brown, Heather Prusak, Tim Graham, was that, I wanted to see Josh come out in this game and control the hype, you know, that he usually takes into these big games. I mean, we've seen it over the course of his career. He's talked about it. He knows it's something that he had to work on. And what I was left with, especially in that first quarter, when things kind of maybe could have gone off the tracks a little bit, uh, you, you go for it on fourth down after marching down the field, you miss the throw to Lee Smith, Lee Smith. Let's get into that in a minute. And, you know, they come back, the 49ers come down the field. Um, the Bills have a huge goal line stand. Offense gets it back. Zach Moss fumbles it uh, right back to the 49ers who end up scoring. And then it's off to the races. There was calm. There was poise. There was control. There was command. Sean McDermott talked about it in the postgame press conference about, you know, th- th- what I loved about what he did today was th- the control, the calm. The, you know, the, you know, the poise and that's important because he's going to face moments in the next month. You got the Steelers coming up, the Patriots in new England, and then every game is going to be hard. Once you hit the playoffs. I mean, we were talking about that Cleveland Browns team, maybe the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, all these teams pose problems with their defense. And I think that if he's able to go into these games with the kind of confidence that he showed tonight, the sky's the limit. I mean, I definitely expect a tougher test next week against this Pittsburgh defense that, you know, gave him trouble last year. But another big thing out of this game, Ryan, is they're starting to figure out how to keep the efficiency at an all-time high, even with John Brown out of the lineup. Gabriel Davis was involved today. Josh Allen spread it around to a whole bunch of different pieces. Cole Beasley, you know, take your victory lap, sir. You (laughs) called it uh, on uh, Saturday night. Cole Beasley was huge today. Yeah, you know, I wrote an article previewing the game saying 
Cole Beasley to eat against the 49ers. And I said in my report card, I said, this would be the equivalent to going to a buffet. And Cole Beasley just kept going up to that carving station. He, he took him out of business for the night. He was open all night long. I think it was 11 for 130 and a score on 13 targets. He could do no wrong. And Gabe Davis, if there was some, something called the uh, Super Sneaky Good Award, he would get it today. Look, Go back and think about every play that he made for the Bills. The touchdown, obviously, which Josh Allen freed him up with that shoulder fake. He sprung Isaiah McKenzie open for his touchdown with the with his route. He kind of shielded off the cornerback that was supposed to go against Isaiah McKenzie. He had a great block on a Devin Singletary run. And perhaps, well, I won't say the biggest play of the game, but right before halftime, he gets that ball in the middle of the field, takes it out of bounds, sets up that Tyler Bass field goal right before the half. So he had a huge game where we, you and I both said, we need Gabriel Davis to step up. He stepped up in a big way. And that's not even to mention Stefan Diggs. Look at everything Stefan Diggs did today. Open, turning around cornerbacks and man-to-man, sitting in the zone coverages. But more than that, the little things. Dawson Knox's touchdown doesn't happen without that Stefan Diggs block. Uh, it was a 10-point game at this point, but who recovers the onside kick to, to seal the game? Stefan Diggs. He's doing a lot of the little things. So you have to love everything about this wide receiver room right now, including what Isaiah McKenzie did tonight. Josh Allen's huge day not possible without the performance that his offensive line in front of him uh, was able to produce in a big spot. And like we mentioned on Saturday, you know, I couldn't really talk about it during the week, but we, I did see like Bucker in there uh, running a little bit at left guard and he was, he got the start today. John Feliciano moved over to right guard and Brian Winters hit the bench, which is what I think a lot of Bills fans were kind of clamoring for a little bit. And I think that you saw what this coaching staff saw when Ike Bucker was in there last time, where I think they they kind of found their stride a little bit in terms of uh, a pass blocking unit. They like what they saw out of Ike Bucker. I think that that had you know a little something to do with the whole Mitch Morse saga when you know they maybe just wanted to get a little bit more of a look at Ike Bucker and you, you our, our buddy Jeremiah Searles. I can't wait to get him back on the show in the next couple of weeks because he's obviously the president of that fan club. Uh, but I still I still credit you. Maybe he's the vice president. I'm going to make you the president because we go back to his rookie year when you were standing for Ike. So this is a big performance. I thought he struggled in run, you know, as a run blocker. He continues to struggle as a run blocker. But I mean, you look across the the offensive line. Daryl Williams struggles as a run blocker as well. And you know they got to figure that out. But when you're throwing it as well as you they did tonight against the defense that. To your point, yeah, they don't have Nick Bosa. They don't have DeForest Buckner anymore. Richard Sherman is a little bit older, but they still have pieces. They still have a Super Bowl caliber, you know, nucleus in terms of, you know, the defensive coordinator, what kind of players that they have in their system uh, that played there last year. Eric Armstead is another guy that, that I'd like to mention. They're a good defense, and they proved it last week, and Josh Allen, didn't care. He went out there and just absolutely shredded him, got everybody involved. Isaiah McKenzie still finds a way to make plays. I mean, this is this is the kind of game. I think I just mentioned it. Was it in our Zoom chat? We we've been doing these Zoom chats with fans, these live QAs. When was the last time the Bills had like a decisive, like runaway win? Like where they scored a lot, where their defense played well. Now, this wasn't 45 nothing like the Patriots did to the Chargers yesterday, but this felt like something more the de- defending nfc champs 
even with Nick Mullins, with this defense, the way they played against the Rams last week, I thought that this was a, a decisive win on national TV. Yeah, the Bills are one fluke play away from, from going undefeated against that vaunted NFC West. Uh, that was the division where the, when the schedule came out, it's, oh, man, we got to play this this division this year. They they played extremely well against that division. Going back to the offensive line, saw someone in the chat mention John Feliciano. He came back into the game, so uh, he seemed to be okay. This offensive line has its issues in run blocking. I think they're going to always have their issues in run blocking. I do think, however, with Feliciano at right guard, it will help Daryl Williams in terms of run blocking. You might see some more consistency there. However, two numbers to take away from tonight, one and three. One sack allowed, three quarterback hits allowed against that defense. With how many pass attempts the Bills had tonight, they came up huge. And it wasn't just the offensive line in pass protection. Uh, tip of the, the cap to Devin Singletary, that big fourth down play late in the game where Allen found uh, digs on the play. That was open because Devin Singletary made a key block on, on someone coming in up the middle. So it wasn't just the offensive line, but I thought the line itself had a very good debut together with this new look uh, in terms of pass protection. What do you attribute the the way that the defense had success tonight? Because, you know, I think that for me, I think that the defensive line was aggressive and I thought that they were really good in their containment. I know that Nick Mullins is not a guy that's going to get outside of the pocket and do a little bit of work, but I thought that they did a good job consistently throughout the night, just making it very uncomfortable in the pocket for him. I never felt like he was, you know, making, uh, you know, consecutive clean plays with the ball. Um, obviously I think Levi Wallace, we maybe we can get to that, that part of it. Um, but I thought that Overall, you look at you know 20, 24 points, and uh, they were able to move the ball on occasion. I thought that this defense really frustrated Nick Mullins over the course of this game. Yeah, you know, one drive came with excellent field position or one score. The other one came with the Bills having a pretty sizable lead, uh, and the 49ers pretty much going uh, up tempo there late in the game. Where you know, kudos to them; they were moving the ball efficiently. But this defense was great throughout the game. The defensive line, the defense as a whole, did not sack uh, Mullins at once tonight, but they had some pressure. They forced some inaccurate passes. They created some turnovers when they needed them. Um, but I, I think, enough, again, and I'm not trying to discredit the defense at the same time, I think the 49ers had to go away from the run a little bit more than they wanted to because the Bills built a 10-point lead at the half, and then they kept scoring the second half. So it made it so they had to go away from Jeff Wilson and away from Raheem Mostert. Because if you look at both of their stat lines, they ran the ball very well. Both backs did. Um, Tevin Coleman, not so much. But that, that's a whole different story. Uh, I, I think that that played into it as well. And as long as the Bills are scoring points, you can make those opposing teams one-dimensional. And that will help the defense. But Buffalo's defense has played significantly better over the last six weeks, I would probably say at this point. Uh, so it's really encouraging to see them peaking, not not even peaking, but getting closer to peaking as the playoffs are, are approaching. Let's get into Levi Wallace a little bit because, you know, I tweeted about, you know, I, I was, I said I was pounding the table. I don't know if I was really pounding the table as much as, you know, um, suggesting with um, zeal uh, the opportunity to maybe try out Dane Jackson uh, after the bye week. They obviously went back to Levi Wallace. We talked to Leslie Frazier about that decision 
And I think it was something that, you know, he built up some currency with this regime over the course of the last two years, a guy that, you know, they've trusted, you know, over the course of his career. Uh, he, they went to Kevin Johnson in the playoff game last year when he got injured. But, you know, overall, he's played some some important snaps for them during the last two seasons. But I, I think that there's just too many games for me and maybe not for them. And again, this is something that we talk about over and over again. We're not in that locker room. We're not out on the practice field when they're going through, you know, their drills and working, you know, their, you know, different scenarios and different practice um, uh, parts of practice. Maybe he does offer something more, but I just feel like even though cornerback two is always going to be on this team with uh, opposite Tredavious White is always going to be prone to being picked on. I just think it happens too often with, with, um, man, it's getting late, man. I'm, I'm just forgetting things mid sentence. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, uh, like 65 years old here. Uh, Levi Wallace. I just feel like there's too many moments like tonight where he tends to get picked on a little bit. And I, I think actually even Ryan going back earlier in the year, I can't remember who said it either was Sean or, or, or Leslie, Sometimes you gotta you gotta make a play to make them stop doing that, and I felt like tonight he just couldn't find that play. No, he had a few opportunities too on on poor passes where uh, one player was diving to the ground. And he should have had the interception. Truth be told, but it bounced off. I think it might have bounced off his helmet. Uh, if you're not pounding on the table for Dane Jackson, I'm gonna go full Bills Mafia. I'm not only pounding on it; I'm setting it ablaze and I'm diving through it. Get <laughs> Dane, get Dane Jackson in this lineup. If he fails, if he struggles, you have Levi Wallace. You have Josh Norman. What does it hurt to get a young cornerback who has flashed every time we've seen him? Interception against the Jets. Gets brought in against the Seahawks. And again, this was late in the game because of an injury. First play, they throw to DK Metcalf. Who is there to wrap him up by the ankles and bring him down for almost no gain? It's Dane Jackson. Jackson plays in the next game. Makes some more plays. He hasn't done anything to show that he can't handle it right now. And you're right. We're not there. Maybe there's still some terminology issues. Maybe there's something where they just don't trust him enough at this point. But what's it hurt at this point in time? I get you're going against the Pittsburgh Steelers next week. Pittsburgh, uh, like the Bills, very pass-happy team. But we've seen Levi Wallace get picked on time and time again. And I saw someone in the comments say, the pass interference was was a bad call. Yeah, it was. That that's Levi made a great play on the ball. The official from the middle of the field who wasn't even nearest the play threw it extremely late. I get that, but he was torched down the field later in that game. And I have to go back and look, but it, I I think I read somewhere that ten of, of Mullen's first thirteen completions uh, were with Wallace in coverage. Now I have to go back and double check that myself. But it did seem like every time that he completed a play, oh, there's Wallace in coverage. There's Wallace in coverage. Teams are going to pick on Levi Wallace because Trey White is an all-pro, pro-bowl cornerback, does it all, makes a huge interception at the goal line. I get that. I understand it. But there needs to be more flashes from Levi Wallace, and we have not seen that yet. And I think it's important to note the difference in the plays. Like, for me, the ones that, that don't sit well – are the ones where he seems to be getting down, beat down the field. Now, 
we also have to mention that we don't know players responsibility in a zone scheme. You know what I mean? Like he might be at being asked to be in a certain part of the field and he may be recovering, trying to get back to that portion of the field where the play's happening. And it looks like he's getting beat, but it was just because he, he had a certain zone. He had to defend. I'm not a football coach. I'm talking more about the plays down the field where I think it was Brandon Ayuk who, who got past him and made that play. And, and he, and the ball was in the air and he was in the vicinity. You just want him to, to sell out a little bit more to try to make that play. I guess easy for me to say. And, and of course it's, and also in the same token, it's just two games for Dane Jackson. It might be an overreaction to sit there and say that the expectation should be at a level of play that he's established in two, in two games. Maybe there would be a trail off in production. I'm not sure, but you know, I just think for a team now that has an opportunity this year to be a true contender, like the way that Josh Allen played tonight, Ryan, it starts to make you picture the matchups in the second round of the playoffs in the potential AFC title game and how, what teams are, are put together in position to go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes, this kind of team that we saw tonight, that's the kind of team. But if you go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes and you and Josh Allen goes out there and throws for 375 and four touchdowns and Levi Wallace gives up a big game winning touchdown at the end of the game, you know, can you avoid that? I guess is a question that I'm asking. I don't know if it, if there is an answer there or if maybe Levi is the answer um, but I just think that these kinds of games are frustrating. It'll be interesting to talk to Leslie Frazier about it tomorrow and get his perspective because he's really good at that kind of going into, you know, why they do what they do and why it fits what they're doing. And and also Sean, I think, has shown a pretty good ability using Brian Winters at recognizing when something's not working and making a change. It's something that we've been talking about for weeks. Winters hasn't been up to, you know, the level that I think needed to be at to be a starter on this line. And he went to Buckner this week. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're loyal to a fault and sometimes it almost takes a really bad performance. Uh, And I'm not saying that Levi Wallace's performance today was extremely bad. There were some misplays. There were some catches allowed. Uh, But this coaching staff, Leslie Frazier, has been extremely loyal to him, just like the Bills had been loyal to Winters. But if it keeps up, eventually... Dane Jackson might get signed to the 53-man roster. And when, if and when that happens, I think that'll be a very telling sign that, hey, this guy's going to get some run. He's going to get some playing time out there uh, because they feel like they don't have that answer at number two cornerback, at least not consistently. So they're at least going to test the waters and see what they have in this young uh, rookie cornerback. So it will be interesting to see what unfolds over these next few weeks. Let's do a quick word from our sponsor. I know this is, you know, what is it, PJ's favorite part of the show, uh, the Tops commercial. Here we go. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. Um. It was enjoyable to watch the broadcast tonight because I, I really like their their team there. Obviously, Lewis Reddick being the, the, the premier attraction uh, on that commentary team. But he said something, you know, he was talking about Tremaine Edmonds late in the, in the broadcast. And, you know, you go look at his stats and it wasn't anything that really popped too much. I think he had 
seven tackles, um, uh, five solo tackles, but he's, he was making plays all over the field tonight. I noticed him um, as the, the 49ers were struggling to sustain drives. I noticed him in, in on a lot of plays, especially early on. And that's a pretty big piece because, you know, you go back two months and, Despite the injuries, I felt like there was a um, fleeting amount of patience with Tremaine Edmonds and maybe the lack of play that we saw early on in the year. He's really coming on. I think that that's a big reason why this defense has started to play better is because of the linebacker play. I still thought there were some some tackling issues tonight, but I think you're just going to have to deal with that. I think that what you know AJ Klein does well, even if even the best that Matt Milano's played, I still think that there's been times he's had some missed tackles over the course of his career. Uh, ones that you're kind of like, oh, you can't have that on a third down or whatever. So I think if you look at you know this game in, in a vacuum here tonight, especially maybe throw in last week's game, Tremaine Edmonds is trending up in a big way. Yeah, m- missed tackles are going to happen in the NFL, but <clears throat> he made two huge tackles when needed. When the 49ers fullback had the ball near the goal line, who was the first man in there to stop him? It was it was uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Fourth down play on that run play. Uh, who diagnosed it perfectly? Edmonds. Now, Edmonds did give up the touchdown in terms of getting tricked on that uh, after the Zach Moss fumbled, but he made two huge stops. He made two, two huge tackles. He actually over-pursued. Uh, I actually shouldn't say that because I have to go back and rewatch it, but there was a play where Mullins threw the ball just over his shoulder where it looked like uh, Edmonds knew it was going to happen, but he had just run by the ball. So he's mm-hmm. he's seeing the field better. He he's definitely making those big plays when needed, and he had a really nice game for the Bills tonight. Brian Dable's gone, huh? <laughs> I was seeing some comments, uh, some people tweeting at me tonight about uh, about Dable, and you know this is the kind of national stage that I feel like you know Robert Salah is a guy that you know is getting so much head coaching buzz, so much so that in his home he, he, his hometown, if you didn't see it on the broadcast tonight. Uh, group uh, sent a, a letter to the Detroit Lions owners to to hire him as their next head coach after they obviously just moved on from Matt Patricia. And, you know, it gets you thinking about, you know, Brian Dable's stock is at an all-time high. He goes in and absolutely runs up the score on Salah's defense, 49ers defense, and obviously no Bosa, you know, no, no different pieces on the defense. They got a bunch of people, I think, in the COVID protocol as well. So this isn't the same 49ers defense, but – it's the same one from last week. I'm going to keep going back to that point. And and now I think we're sitting here, you know, 12 weeks into the season with all of these playoff hopes. I mean, this this was a contender, uh, you know, putting the stamp on your contender status, this kind of game, in my opinion. We'll see more of it next week against the Steelers. But for Dable, what's going through your mind in terms of, potentially losing him and not only you know if that's a foregone conclusion at this point but what that means for this offense going forward it it is a foregone conclusion I think it was a foregone conclusion a few weeks ago we are three years removed from Josh Allen being considered a major project and a guy that uh, is going to have some big plays here and there but he's never going to be accurate Dable and, and Allen deserves just as much credit as Dable but Dayball's scheme, he gets guys open. He he knows Josh Allen's strengths. He has taken this quarterback that was viewed as the most raw prospect in the 2018 draft among the quarterbacks and made him into a franchise QB. 
Yes, the talent helps. Having a Stefan Diggs, a Cole Beasley, a John Brown went healthy, a Gabriel Davis, and all those other passing weapons helps. But Dable's offense, it, it was on display tonight. Anytime they needed to play, he, he knew what to dial up. And these teams, especially some of these teams that are going to be near the top of the draft class that might be looking for a quarterback or that might have a young quarterback, I, I don't want Dable to leave, but man, Imagine him with the Chargers. Imagine him with that quarterback that they have and those wide receivers that they already have. Would they have to add a little bit more to that offense? Sure, but Eckler would have a, a huge um, year under a guy like Brian Dable. I could see him going somewhere and having them contend immediately. Now, mind you, the Chiefs are there. There's other openings, too, that I see him as a good fit. But teams watch these performances. They've seen him coach. They know what you're going to get. And, and yes, he's had some opportunities in the past where he has not succeeded. But again, coaches, the more opportunities that they get, the better they get. He's ready for a head coaching job. And I think he's going to be a good one for whoever gets him in this offseason. I'm in your camp for sure. I do think that there's something to be said for some um, some stories from the past of coordinators that that maybe had a great situation, went on to try to be a head coach and it didn't go the way that they wanted it to go. And I think just because of those kinds of um, situations, it's sometimes, it's sometimes curious if a guy won't maybe take that into consideration and how good a current situation is when making that decision. I almost feel like for Brian, because he's elevated his stock so much he does have the ability to maybe pick the right situation for him because listen, you're not going to, you're not going to land on not only a quarterback like Josh Allen, but a relationship like this, the track record of development you've already established. This is a very rare occurrence in this league. And I think Brian really does know that he's from um, Buffalo. And, and, you know, that's always something that I want. I like to throw in there. You know, when you get comfortable, you know, and Listen, I know everybody wants to be a head coach. Like that's probably the end game for, uh, you know, if you're, if you become a coordinator, that's probably your end game. But I do think that there's a, um, you know, something to be said uh, for, you know, continuing and building something with this offense. Now we'll see what, what happens there and we'll get more into that in the off season. But what I will say before we get back to this game is I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either that Ken Dorsey is the slam dunk replacement for Brian Dable. As a matter of fact, I'm, I like what I heard from Josh Allen. And if you haven't watched it, go check out the um, interview that he did with Steve young uh, for ESPN. It's up on their um, YouTube page. Now I watched it this afternoon, nothing, you know, groundbreaking or anything. I probably would have posted it a story on it if there was, but one thing that Josh did say is that he brought up Ken Dorsey in the interview and the impact that he's had on him. And that got that was the first thing to me that's come out of One Bill's Drive from Josh, from Brian, from Sean, that even gave you any glimpse into what that dynamic has been like. Because whenever people talk about the development of Josh Allen, the person they always talk about is Brian. And I'm wondering how much Ken has been a part of that, but it seems like maybe more than we even know, but I'm just still hesitant to, to stamp that as, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. Brian Dable out, Ken Dorsey in. Yeah. It's never that easy. I mean, 
they might feel comfortable with Dorsey knowing the system, knowing Josh Allen's strengths. It doesn't mean he's the best option necessarily, however. And then going back to your points on Brian Dable, if there's one job that he covets and wants and he does not get that job, do I think he could stay and the Bills could give him a hefty raise? Absolutely. But like you said, these coordinators are in the business to eventually become head coaches to take those opportunities. And I think there are going to be a few really good spots open up this year that could intrigue him. So if he gets passed over in those one or two spots, he's not going to settle, I don't think, because I think he also knows that in the NFL, especially a head coach, teams will, will move on from you quickly if you're not getting the results that they expect to see right out of the gate. So he's going to be smart about his decision. But if the right opportunity comes along and that team likes him, I, I do think he is as good as gone. Yeah, so the before we get out of here, um, if you have anything else you want us specifically to talk about, you know the drill, guys. I mean, that's what that's what we're that's why we do these things live in in uh, in the chats there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the inactives tonight, and you know, eyes still kind of go up when you see Trent Murphy and Tyler Croft on that on that inactive list before the game. I think the Croft inactive is a little bit more understandable as crazy as that may sound because I do think they want to get Dawson Knox going and you saw it tonight just four targets but he caught all four of them 27 yards and a touchdown he was active out there I felt like this was the most involved he was in a game or at least that's the feeling I left the game with and I think that when Tyler Croft is active it's easy to you know, kind of split those snaps because of what he's provided when you've called upon him. And I don't really know what they're doing with Lee Smith. I mean, he had a ton of usage tonight. I, I'm, I'll be interested to see his snap count tomorrow. Obviously, I think they think that he can help in the run game. Uh, whether or not how much he did, that's, you know, to be determined. 18 carries for 61 yards for Devin Singletary tonight. I thought he had a, a couple really nice runs. Uh, in the game, but for the most part, the run game was again ineffective. So I tweeted out at one point, uh, Lee Smith, tight end one. I felt like he was out there, you know, catching, getting targets, uh, you know, being downfield, uh, just being on the field is kind of crazy. But I think they want to get Dawson Knox going. I think Trent Murphy is a little bit less of an, you know, surprise at this point because. We mentioned Daryl Johnson. I think AJ Epinesa, they continue to, they have building faith in him as well. Yeah. So starting with the defensive end position, you know, Daryl Johnson had one of the biggest plays of the game, a nine yard tackle for loss on a run play that all but put the 49ers uh, out of that drive in terms of scoring a touchdown. I believe they still scored a field goal on that drive, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he made a huge stop there. AJ Epinesa has been flashing. You know what you have in Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. It's a numbers game. And Murphy's ceiling is not that high compared to those other guys, obviously. Uh, tight end position, you nailed it. Dawson Knox is a draft pick of this regime. They want to get him going. He now has touchdowns in back-to-back games. Lee Smith is supposedly the best blocking tight end on this team. They want to run the ball more. Even when you put him in the lineup uh, on passing downs, maybe it's kind of like a decoy situation. Well, hey, they have Smith out here. Uh, they might be running the ball here. I don't know. And then Reggie Gilliam is fantastic on special teams, so I get that decision well uh, as well. So Croft, he's been the most consistent tight end for this team, but at the same time, there are reasons to have him on that inactive list. Man, what a moment in time for Buffalo Bills fans to be atop the AFC East. 
I hope you guys are all enjoying this because it's been <laughs> two decades in the making. There's just some funny. Uh, I was laughing while you were talking. There's just some funny uh, comments. Got, Trent, Trent Murphy, great non-cut and salary cap savings. That's I, that continues to be a tough one. Yeah, I got the Ryan looks like Lee Smith comment again. My beard's not even that long right now. Like when I had it really long, I got it. I understood. I'm bald. I have the beard, but come on now, I've I've slimmed down a little bit. I don't I don't see the Lee Smith comparison too much anymore. I feel like if um, if we put you two guys side by side, I don't think the similarities would be would be as much as people mm-hmm. think. Um, we're at one. Our numbers are going up here. There's there's some people in the chat, so we will keep going. If you have something to talk about, and there is a question here: Do we resign Cole Beasley? I don't know how you don't resign Cole Beasley. I mean, if you're talking now, first of all, there's one more year left on his contract, and uh, oh, two more years. Signed. Um, I'm done with fear. I'm pulled to a fear. Uh, I think the first two are. Let me look this up here because I have these factual numbers. I'm running over the spot track. Always do a great job. He signed a four year, $29 million deal in 2019. Next year, if the Bills wanted to move on, he's, his cap hit is $7.4 million. They would take a $3 million dead cap hit uh, if they cut him. So. He'll be on the roster in 2021, no, no doubt about it, and probably 2022 as well. He's it would be a 1500, uh, 1.5 million dollar dead cap hit. Then I mean they could save six million, but I just don't. I for what he does, I still think that he's got some runway left in his prime. He's he he is the most elite slot receiver in the NFL. It's not even close. I think at this point, I know Cooper Cup is great, but I think that you know. When he is, when he is made, or when he's taken out of the game, I think it's the Bills that do it by not targeting him. I don't think another team is really capable of taking him out of a game. Yeah, I just was about to say he's underutilized by this team. Sometimes you look at a match, and you're like, man, he's going to have a really nice game, and then he has no targets in the first half, and then all of a sudden they get him going in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, and it's like, why wasn't this a part of the the offense in the playoff game? It was odd how. He wasn't used down the stretch, I thought, in, in, uh, against the Texans last year. He is great, but another reason he's going to stick around here is he loves the Bills. He loves the coaching staff, and he loves Josh Allen. Even on, on the game tonight, I love you, Josh Allen. You could hear him say that to his quarterback. And before games, he said it in the tunnels in, in the high-pitched voice, uh, pretending to be a fan from the crowd. He loves his quarterback. He loves the situation. He's a team-first player. I think he knows it's it's pretty good here for him. So uh, yeah, I do see him sticking around long term. Um, what else do you guys want to talk about? I mean, it's we're it's already one oh five. What's another ten or fifteen That's minutes? Right. Um, hey, go ahead. Yeah, did you did you see that Sean McDermott did some uh, Christmas shopping tonight live in game? No, I did not. Yeah, he got Zach Moss a doghouse. <laughs> I'll be here all night, folks. The king of the transition, the master of the dad joke himself, live and in person. That was great. And so let's talk a little bit about Zach Moss. Near fumble, I tweeted out, people are so funny, man, in game. I tweeted out, Zach Moss fumbles. That was the ruling on the field. He fumbled the ball. And everybody was like, nope, he didn't. Nope, he didn't. Everybody had like a little retort. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. I I saw the replay now. I, I, I noticed that too. But the next time he touched the ball, he he coughed it up in, in one of the most, 
you know, hair pulling types of ways that you can have. And we didn't see him for most of the rest of the game. Uh, he came back later in the game uh, to play, but you know, that's a rookie mistake on the national stage. And I think what I took away from it more than the mistake and the fact that he was maybe in the doghouse was that the bills as a whole, their offense really didn't let it, the, the mistake affect them. They went on to six straight drives, no punts. I thought that that was the bigger story is that they can withstand, you know, it's, you know, win while you work, win while you grow, you know what I mean? And, and they're, they're, they're bringing guys along, letting them kind of get some of these mistakes out of the way while maintaining their level of effectiveness and, and winning. And that's, that's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And that was just a joke about Zach Moss. I do think he is a very talented young back. Um, when he did come did you, back in, did you write that on a napkin? I did not. I did okay. not. Just boom. Okay, um, <laughs> and I'm tired. So I guess that's when the dad jokes really come out. Um, <laughs> but when he did come back in, it was a third and one situation. He stopped in the backfield for a loss. Now that had more to do with the blocking. There were a few 49ers waiting for him. The one thing I'll say though, about this coaching staff is they'll pull a running back. If they play poorly in game, it happened to Devin Singletary against Arizona. Uh, he, he had a, uh, turnover, I believe in that game, but he also had the, the bad penalty. And in that final drive where the bills had taken the lead back over Arizona, Moss was in, I think 11 of 12 snaps. So they will go away from it. And yes, I do see in the comments, they, they gave the, the credit for the fumble to Josh Allen, but anyone with uh, that, that watched that game saw that there was nothing wrong with the handle. He, he put it right there. And, and instead of letting it go into his stomach, he tried to clamp down on it and it just went flying forward. So, I get that Allen was credited with the fumble. That was not on Allen. If it had been on Allen, uh, I, we would be sitting here saying it. That was 100% on Zach Moss. Efficiency has come up a couple times tonight. And how efficient has Gabriel Davis been? Four targets, three catches, a touchdown tonight, 68 yards, 22.7 yards per reception. Had that 28-yard touchdown where he kind of snuck in, in into the uh, – empty area of the zone and Josh Allen floated it in. Dude, this dude has been so good. And in a season where you have a couple rookies, you know, a couple rookie wide receivers, we saw one of them tonight. I thought, I think when healthy Brandon Ayuk is, is, is up there in terms of talent and what he potentially can be in this league. Justin Jefferson is setting the world ablaze. I mean, how crazy is it that the Minnesota Vikings trade away Stephon Diggs and then go out and, and draft Justin Jefferson, who looks like the next great young wide receiver? And a lot of people were high on him coming out of LSU. I thought I watched him, and I think it was the either the title game or the, the 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 first playoff game. I can't remember where he had the four touchdown catches, and I was like, "Damn, this dude is going to be special." But even with all that said. You get Gabriel Davis in the fourth round. Oh, there's one more guy I want to talk about. Remind me about this before we get out of here. Just unbelievable scouting. And because he has hit the ground running from the beginning in a year where rookies shouldn't be as good as Justin Jefferson is. And even in this offense, a Gabriel Davis should be. He continues to evolve. He continues to develop. And with John Brown out of the lineup, we said it going into this game. If you can get production and find a role for him that, that continues to make this thing scary, you got you got something. Yeah, and it's going to only get scarier when you get a healthy John Brown back because then you have Gabriel Davis. Yeah, he's pushed down a rung on the ladder. That also means he's going against someone who's probably a little bit worse in coverage, and there's going to be a mismatch there. He, I don't even know where he's at for touchdowns right now off the top of my head this year, but 
Gabriel he's Davis. Lead, yeah, he's he's leading the Bills with five now, and, and he should have had six because he was marked out at the two, but he had mm-hmm. kept his feet in bounds there. He had he, one of his only really bad plays this year was that drop he had against the Patriots in the end zone where Allen delivered the ball right to him. So you could be talking about a guy that even has a few more touchdowns under his belt. And no, no one's going to throw him in the rookie of the year competition, but he, he has provided tremendous value for this coaching staff, along with another day three pick in Tyler Bass and potentially in Dane Jackson. If we, we see more from him, but we've seen some flashes. Some of these day three picks have I would probably say the day three picks have been the Buffalo Bills' best picks of this draft class to date. Now, we're seeing more out of Epinesa. We've seen some stuff from Zach Moss this year. But, man, those day three picks, they've really hit on a lot of them. 1045. So, I'm just doing some math in my head. So, it looks like after tonight, Stephon Diggs will be number four in the NFL in receiving behind DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, who is just an absolute freak and Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson's right there at number four for Minnesota, just absolutely wild. But, you know, Stefan Diggs is going to break uh, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to break the franchise record for receiving for the bills. And then Josh Allen, I was looking at his numbers. He's on pace now after tonight for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. You add in, the rushing work that he does, I mean, he's not going to win the MVP award. I, I think that no matter what he does, unless he just goes just crazy in this last month, and we're talking about this kind of performance like tonight, you know, uh, duplicated over and over again, I just think Patrick Mahomes has done a little bit too much and, um, you know, some other players. I think Russell Wilson's probably out of it at this point. But – He's in the conversation, Ryan. He's directly in the conversation. And I think the way that he the way that he is doing this, and I don't really remember Cam Newton's MVP season per like specifically, but my recollection of it, he was not this dynamic of a passer. And that's no. where I think that it it really he just carved up this defense tonight with his arm. Yeah, and mind you, Cam Newton didn't have the type of weapons that Josh Allen has. But no, it's it's been night and day. Uh, Allen has been significantly better. Now, I will say this. If the Bills win out the rest of the way and they somehow get up to that number two seed in the AFC, I think then you can make a serious case for Josh Allen in the MVP race because the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. They're the returning fav- uh, favorites this year. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Whereas the Bills, yeah, some people said, okay, they're going to go back to the playoffs. They might win the AFC East. If they can take the number two seed and they can finish with double-digit wins and be a true threat, and it's because of Allen and this passing attack, then I think there is a true legitimate case for him to be the MVP. One more guy I want to talk about before we get out of here, and it is getting so late, so we do got to wrap this up soon. Harrison Phillips, I think, turned in a pretty, you know, under the radar solid game today. And the stats don't jump off the screen at you. But I noticed starting in the second half, Sean McDermott sent out Harrison Phillips at the one t- technique and Vernon Butler at the three technique, which is, I still think, his natural position. They just, I think there's a lot of time where they're just not going to be able to do it because of the lack of numbers and the lack of a big man in the middle. But that was an interesting look, and I think that if Harrison Phillips can start to give you some valuable one-technique 
um, production, you can then maybe start to see some improvement or at least some more statistical production from Ed Oliver and even Vernon Butler, who for we haven't talked a ton about him, but he's somebody that I think can really be an impactful, disruptful force in the middle for this defense. Yeah, Vernon Butler had his best game as a member of the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, after my first watch, at least. And I think maybe that had to do with the fact that he got to play some three technique and that you had a guy like Harrison Phillips who was able to take on that role, the one technique a little bit. Uh, there was a play again near the goal line. Vernon Butler runs over the running back, literally looked like one of those old Looney Tunes situations where you pancake the guy into the ground and he's flattened. Butler had a great game, and, and that goes hand in hand with guys like Harrison Phillips stepping up and the guys around him. So you're right. Uh, Phillips quietly had a nice little game. He showed up. He flashed a little bit at times. And one last thing I want to talk about, keep the white face mask. The Bills are undefeated in those bad boys. Keep them on those helmets. They look sharp. They look good. You know, dress or what is it? Dress good, feel good, whatever that saying is. They're they're playing well. They're dressing well. They look sharp. Keep the white face mask. Bills Mafia, start some kind of petition. Get something going for me. Um, Dwight Schrute tweeted tonight, Josh Allen is my second favorite quarterback. And Josh Allen quote tweeted it and said, assistant favorite quarterback or assistant to your favorite quarterback. Elite performance from Josh Allen on the field today. An elite tweet from your Buffalo Bills quarterback uh, with the offs reference. I know Ryan will appreciate that. We got to get out of here. You know what else we got to do? We got to tell you to go on the audio platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever you get them, subscribe to Shout. We are going to give you three episodes per week all the way through this playoff run. Every week. We're going to be live on Wednesday. We have um, Ashley Holder from Channel 2 is one of our guests this uh, Wednesday night. Uh, We're excited for that. I'm still probably going to book another uh, guest or two as well. Um, I, I might go to the content creator world uh, for a buddy of ours. We'll see. We'll see what we got going on and what we got cooking. Um, but when you're on the audio platforms, download, subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out. We're growing this thing. You guys are awesome. Join us at 1:15 a.m. on a on a Bills football Monday, Tuesday morning. We appreciate it. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We'll be back Wednesday night. Keep it locked on to Syracuse.com tomorrow. Uh, We will have all of your coverage from this game, more coverage from this game. Um, Have a great night, everyone. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.